want you to imagine with me a minute, if you could, if you could possibly place yourself in Hakim's shoes. Hakim grew up in a Middle Eastern country, and all of his family were of the Muslim faith. His mom, his dad, all of his siblings, all of his family. And he grew up knowing, of course, no different. This was the faith that Hakim had grown up in, the worship of Allah. As he grew to a teenager, his father wanted him to serve in the, the military, and, and he joined the military and uh, began to, to serve and do peacekeeping. And he came alongside his unit of another unit from America, and, and they were serving together to keep the peace. One day, uh, kind of make a long story short, one day, Hakeem got separated from his unit, and he was in peril. He, he did not know what to do. And this young American soldier found him, helped him to come back and reunite with his unit. They had a, a common goal together, and that was the common cause of peacekeeping. Over the next days and weeks and months, Akeem and Don, the soldier, became friends. They spent a lot of time together. And Don was a Christian. He read his Bible any time that he was off work or not serving as far as out on a mission. Uh, he would find a quiet place and he would just open his Bible and he would begin to read. Interestingly enough, Akeem would come alongside of him and talk about his Muslim faith. And so the two began to share their faith with each other. Day after day, week after week. And one day, Don asked Akeem this question, and I quote, Akeem, would you like to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? To that he answered, are you kidding me? If I accept Jesus as my Savior, I'm going to be renounced from my family. My brothers and sisters won't even talk to me or acknowledge that I exist. I will have no one. Everyone will abandon me. To which Don said, well, not everyone. First off, if you give your life to Jesus Christ, God is going to be with you. And he's going to walk with you. Not only that, he's going to put his very spirit in you. And so believe me, God will not forsake you. He said, but not only that, but you're going to have other believers to come alongside of you, to walk with you and lift you up, to help you grow in your faith and understanding of who Jesus is and how to live into your faith. As Jesus, as Lord and Savior. He said, I'll tell you what to do. Uh, I just want you to think about it. Pray about it. 
and just see if the Lord is calling you to consider surrendering your life to him. Weeks went by. And then one day, Don was leaning up beside one of the tents, and he had his Bible open. And he was reading, and Hakeem came up and sat down beside him. And he said this, and I quote, I cannot get away from God calling me to faith in Jesus Christ. I'm ready to surrender. Most of us have never had to make that decision. And I doubt any of us ever will. But that's not the question. The question is this. Would you? What does Jesus have to say? If you have your Bibles and want to follow along, I'm going to read just a few verses. I'm going to talk about a few others in this same chapter. Uh, this is Luke chapter 14, and I'm going to be reading verses 25 through 27 of the chapter. And we'll look at the rest of the verses in a few minutes as, um, uh, of this chapter. Hear this now, the word of God. Now a large crowd was going along with him, and he turned and he said to them, if anyone comes after me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Wow, right? I mean, wow. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, for you are our strength and our redeemer. I pray, Father, that you would illuminate our hearts and minds this morning for what you would hold for us through this, your precious word. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. In pursuit. So, so Jesus says... We have to be in pursuit of him. And in these verses, he reminds us that we have to recognize the cost. There is a cost involved in following Jesus. But hear me, church, Jesus is not teaching a new commandment. He is not saying that we hate people. That is not what he is saying. He is saying and we can look at verse 33, if you have, still have your Bibles open, he says, "So then, None of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. In other words, Jesus is saying, you've got to get me first and get other things out of the way. And if your father and your mother and your sisters and brothers and anyone else or anything else or any other idols that you have, you're going to have to set those aside if you're going to be my disciple, your bank account, your pride, your job, career. Jesus is saying, if I'm not first, then you've got something else in front of me 
and it's going to be hard for you to be a disciple of mine. Again, hear me, Jesus is not saying here, you don't hear him say, you're not going to heaven. We know the verses, many of us would say, wait a minute, John 3:16. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's factual, that is truth. We can read Romans 6:23. Through his death on the cross, we have forgiveness of sins. We know that. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Jesus is not talking about your salvation here. He is talking about what you do once you're saved. Are you going to be a follower of mine? Are you going to be a disciple of mine? And how will that look? If you're going to place other things in front of me, it's going to be a problem because you see, Jesus is not going to be second place. Not in all that he's done for us. Make me first, he says, and all of these things will be added unto you. And you will serve me well. So look at this scene. If you were to look at Luke and you were to back up you know, some of these chapters, you would see that Jesus has called the 12, he's been ministering, he's been teaching, he's been healing. Even the disciples, at least Peter, James, and John, saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration already, and they have seen him transfigured and then come down off the mountain. They have seen him feed, nourish. They have seen him do miracles upon miracles. And now this large crowd that has heard and seen everything that Jesus has been doing, they have been following him. And they have committed nothing yet. You, you see, they're following him. They're getting all of this for nothing. And all of a sudden, Jesus turns to them and says, whoa, wait a minute. It's going to cost you something to follow me. And then he says, If you love your father and mother and brothers and sisters and all and everything else more than you love me, then something is wrong. We, we live in this fallen world. It's full of sin, and we know that sin is around us. We know that, that pride is there, and there is a cost for following Jesus. Following him is not without cost. Discipleship is also a call to allegiance. If we are in pursuit of him in our life, in every aspect of our life, if we are placing him above family, above job, above everything else, we have made a choice that Christ is first. And at that time, those who were Jewish would have heard this and say, wait a minute, they would have been in 
Hakim's boat because you see often those that came to faith in Jesus Christ that were Jewish of the time, they were ostracized by their family too. They, they were put out also. And so they had to make a choice of being alienated to suffer. And we know by the New Testament church account that the disciples and many of the other followers were crucified for their faith in Jesus. They had to sacrifice. Jesus says, even your own life. And so allegiance comes into play when it comes to being a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. Sometimes our allegiance is fractured because I love my wife and I love my children. Um, there, are, there are nine of them, by the way, and it takes a lot to love nine children, but I love them all. <laughs> and so when I think about the allegiance factor of following Jesus, have I some way become a stumbling block to my kids? Have I help them in their faith, or maybe have I pushed them towards something or into something that I shouldn't have? Have I examined where I am helping them to draw their allegiance? And first and foremost, I want it to be in Jesus Christ. Sometimes in our marriages, we begin to focus Sometimes it's prideful, sometimes it's selfishness on ourself instead of our spouse. And we began to allow that to manifest itself into where Satan comes along and says, you deserve this or you deserve that, and this is about you and not about her or him. And we began to make these pieces come between us and our Savior Many temptations come in our focus between our family, our loved ones. We have to ask ourselves constantly, is there anything that is standing in the way of my relationship with Jesus Christ? Unless Jesus has our highest affection, he says, you cannot be my disciples. We, love, we have to love him more. Than anything else. And so that brings us to this cost of, of self-denial. Can I deny myself? Can I, even to the point, Jesus says, of giving even your own life, can we do that? Following Jesus can be tough because of the world around us. This world presses in on us. And, and this picture on the screen that I put up is, is not a picture of Jesus carrying a cross. This is us carrying the cross because he says, you have to pick up your cross and follow me. In other words, it's not going to be easy. In this world, there will be tribulations. There's going to be temptations, he says. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And, and so in this world, as we follow him, we have to be a part of self-denial, of saying, I realize 
that I'm going to face hardships. I realize there's going to be tough things in this fallen world. But I know that Christ is with me. I know that he is walking with me as a disciple. Discipleship involves more than just showing up. Discipleship involves more than just showing up. God calls us to use our gifts and talents as we come to faith in him. He has this indwelling spirit, his spirit in us. It's not a it, it's a he. He, the spirit, lives in us and calls us to do more than just show up. He calls us to passionately serve him, to passionately pursue him in all things. And when we passionately dedicate our life and pursue him in all things, the difference it will make, the difference it will make in your life. Many churches today, and and I'm not going to stand up here and just bash churches, I'm just saying many of you know this, many churches today um, become somewhat of a a coffee house and come in and entertain and you may hear uh, three uh, good points and go out and you know God wants you to be happy and whatever it takes for you to be happy God wants you to be happy and instead of saying there is a sacrifice a commitment uh, actually self-denial that has to come into play in your discipleship And so our pursuit of Jesus is doing what Jesus calls us to do. It is to be in his word, to grow up in our faith, to have an understanding of what he is calling us to do as we pursue this life of Christianity in his name. Jesus gives two illustrations in the text, and and I didn't read those because I just want to lift them up, and you could read them later today if you want to. You can pick up with verse 28, go to the end of the chapter, and and read the rest of of this story that Jesus has. But he gives two illustrations. The first one is about building a tower, and he says no one builds a tower without first assessing the cost. He says, because if you don't, what's going to happen is you're not going to get very far before you realize you've run out of money and you're not going to finish what you started. He said, the best way to do this is to assess the cost, recognize the cost is there, plan for that cost, and then start your building. And then you can be committed to what the requirement, even the sacrifice might be in completing that building. It's not an invitation Jesus gives to an ice cream social. It is an invitation to follow him and be a part of building his kingdom here on earth. And second place does not do it. A Christian life will cost us everything to follow him. The question is, is Are we willing to pay that cost? The second illustration that he uses is interesting because he talks about a king going to war. And he says, you know, a king's going to calculate that cost before going to battle. And if he gets on the battlefield and he realizes, look, I have miscalculated. This 
other army is so much stronger than us. I'm going to get everybody killed. I think what I'll do is I'm going to send a peacekeeping group over to the others, and I'm going to talk to them about let's come together in peace. And so the king recognizes that he was not going to be successful, so he wisely begins to bring about peace, to bring about peace. So we must consider the cost of non-discipleship in this case of what it might take to make peace, ultimately to serve and become a disciple. So Jesus calls us, in verse 33, he calls us to give all that we have, to give him all that we have, at the beginning, he talked about family. He's talked about our own life, our very life to follow him. And so the question is, is there anything that we have got such a tight hold on that we can't let go of? Jesus, hear me, church. Jesus is not asking us to make room in our lives for him. That's not what he's asking. He is telling us to get rid of everything in our life that keeps us from following him and making him Lord, number one. If you make room, you're going to hold on to things, and those things that you hold on to, Satan's going to tell you, hey, you can do this, Jesus doesn't care. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, we reorder our life. We are called to be transformed in the likeness of Christ. We are to be transformed into his likeness so that others can see Christ in us and Christ in the world. You remember Jesus told a story of taking a light and putting it on a stand and you don't put a bushel over it because you can't see it. A light that shines, others can see and it becomes magnified. He talks about a city on the hill, and a church should be that city on the hill that is proclaiming the gospel out into a lost world. That is who we are, and the church does an injustice when we try to say to this lost world, oh, it's easy if you come follow Jesus. It's easy to come to faith in Jesus. He requires for you to confess and repent and accept him as Lord and Savior. And then the work begins. And so we can't do an injustice and say, oh, if you come to Jesus, everything's going to be okay. All of your ills are going away. You're not going to be tempted anymore. God's got Satan in a box, and so you won't see Satan and won't have any problems at all. No, that's not what Christianity is about. All of our pursuits, all of our comforts, all of our desires, all of our causes, all of our crusades, efforts, everything in our life should be around what Jesus is calling us to do as followers of Christ. He deserves everything, and I deserve nothing, but yet he has given me life in his name. And so we have to count the cost. I'll do this one quickly. 
we also must consider the cost of not following Jesus. If, if you were to read, and, and I won't read them, but verse 34 and 35, he talks about salt and tasteless and taste, uh, being tasteful with salt and being mature and not being mature. And so you read those verses and you can see that Jesus says, you know, it, this tasteless version is going to be cast away it's going to be thrown away and so the cost of not following him is to be out of God's presence the cost of not following him is to be cast out of the kingdom the cost of not following him is eternal separation but I will tell you this when you recognize the cost and you're willing to sacrifice the cost to follow Jesus, all of the ills of this world, all of the troubles in this world, all of the temptations in this world, all of the health issues in this world is pale to the peace that you have in following Jesus. And somebody should have said amen. Because Jesus, as he's in your life, will walk with you through every trial and every situation. He will be with you. And besides that, the church should, and I will say this church, would be with you. Our confirmands went to, as I mentioned, to um, Blue Wing Hunt Club in Virginia and uh, just a little east of South Boston. And we spent um, um, Friday afternoon, Friday night, Saturday, most of the day there together and had fun and uh, did some studying and did some talking. And as I mentioned, we met with, uh, I met with the four confirmands individually. And as I was talking with them and sharing with them, what it meant to, to, to say these vows that they made this morning. And they made vows before God and before you as a congregation, friends, family that are here. And I told them that they couldn't take this lightly. This is not something that is just a bunch of words. This is actually a commitment that they are making. And many of you have made uh, to this church or other churches that you may be a part of that you have committed yourself to serving God, and using what God has given you. And so I wanted them to understand what it meant to be in ministry with God and with one another, and that the church is going to come alongside of them and walk with them. They are infants in their faith, as Paul would say, and Paul challenges all of us to grow up in our faith to become more mature as we walk with Christ. And this is what we're to do with them. And they're going to face a lot of trials, and they're going to need you, parents, grandparents, family, friends, to come alongside of them. As I said, challenge them in the prayer. Even admonish them if you see that they are doing something wrong, just like we would any other member or family member within the church. If you remember that opening story, Don said to Hakeem, he said, not only will God walk with you, not only will God not forsake you, but 
those who have faith in Jesus Christ will come alongside of you and walk with you. That's the challenge we have. When these young people come and join the church or when anyone comes to join the church, if you're 70 years old and give your life to Christ for the very first time, we need to come alongside of you and help you in your faith and help you to grow and mature. You see, with grace, it comes with demands. God is grace-filled, and God loves us, and God wants us to serve him and to place him first. Listen, church, Jesus expects nothing that he hasn't already accepted for himself. Jesus expects nothing that he has not already accepted for himself. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, walk with him and know that he is walking with you. Let others come alongside of you and lift you up. If you are not a follower of Jesus Christ and God is wooing you to give your life to him, I would ask you and beg you to do that sooner than later. Because I will tell you, as the MasterCard commercial says about being priceless, there is nothing more priceless than serving and loving and having Jesus as Savior. It's immeasurable. It's enormous. It's beyond your wildest dreams that Jesus would walk with you. He would forgive you, accept you into his family, and that you would be a child of God. I give thanks every day for that fact. There is nothing greater or grander than walking and serving and pursuing my Savior, Jesus Christ. So there's only one more question that I can ask you this morning. Are you in pursuit of him? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your son who left heaven, came to earth, born of a virgin. Father, he suffered all the temptations. He, Father, lived and died and rose again so that we would have life in his name. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you for his work on the cross because as he said, it was finished, it was finished. Everything was done. And for all who will come to faith in you, become your children. And we look forward to the day, Father, that you call us home. and We live eternity with you. There is nothing more precious, nothing more precious than you as Lord and Savior over our life. I pray this morning, Father, if there is any of us this morning that have put anything in between our relationship with your Son, that we would jettison that, just get it out of the way so that Christ is first. And Father, if there's anyone here or online worshiping this morning that does not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray, Father, that they would surrender their life to you. Father, we thank you again for Jesus, our Lord and Savior. He has accomplished all that we could not do for ourselves, And for that, we give thanks. In Jesus' name, 
Amen.